Turn with me to Genesis 50 and verse 15. Genesis 50 and verse 15. Jesus was greatly betrayed by the people with whom he was the closest, his 12 disciples. Of course, Judas betrayed him in a very overt way. But all the disciples fled in the garden. Then Peter denied him three times. And, and Jesus goes, he not only forgives the sin, but Jesus goes and seeks to rebuild and reconcile the relationship. Uh, he cooks a meal of fish for the disciples, right? Um, and then uh, three times he tells Peter, feed my sheep. He's saying, look, I'm not finished with you. I still have a purpose for you. I love you. Uh, guess what? When Christ saved my soul, he didn't just forgive my sin. Praise God that he did. Hallelujah. But he didn't just forgive me. He also reconciled me. He brought me uh, into his very presence spiritually, uh, gave me the hope of heaven, adopted me as his child, uh, just as he does for every believer who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. Uh, and, and God just went the extra mile. And, and I think in so doing, uh, Jesus with his disciples, God as, as we're saved from sin, he sets an example of the ideal of what God would, would want us to do as we're able to do it. And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second. Uh, we need to have forgiveness and reconciliation as God's people uh, so that we can be the model of Christ's love. How shall they know we're Christians? By our love. And, and part of that will be in the reconciling of relationships that are broken. Um, this scripture that we're going to look at tonight uh, deals with Joseph and his brothers and kind of the, the last scene on the stage of Joseph's life. And uh, uh, Jacob has just died, and the brothers begin to think about that, and they think, well, we might be in serious trouble. After all, we did sell our brother into slavery. Uh, we were going to kill him and then decided, well, we can't make any money if we kill him, so Let's just sell him into slavery. And so we sold him into slavery. And yeah, he says he forgives us. But he loved Jacob. And we remember Esau saying, as soon as my daddy dies, Jacob's dead meat. And so we just kind of have this thing in our mind. We think Joseph just might get his revenge upon us. And so they, they're, they're scared to death. And, and uh, they send a messenger to Joseph and say, hey, uh, guess what? And, and I kind of think if Jacob really wanted to say this, he would have said it to jo uh, Joseph while he was still alive. I, I think this is just made up, but the Bible doesn't really tell us that. But they say, uh, your dad, Jacob, asked you to forgive us for what we did to you. And by the way, uh, we are children and sons of the God you serve. And so we're all in this thing together. We all serve God, so you ought to forgive us, right? That's kind of the idea. Well, when they come, when the messenger comes, first of all, to, jo to Joseph, he, 
he begins to weep because he truly has forgiven them. And he, he bears no ill will toward them at all uh, and uh, truly wants a good relationship with them. Um, <clears throat> and then when they hear about the fact that he wept when, they, when the messenger came, they come and they say, hey, we're your servants. We're, we'll serve you. He says, no. He says, uh, you know, am I in the place of God? Uh, you know, I, don't worry. I, I will, I will uh, take care of you. I'll continue to sustain you as I have done. And uh, there is a reconciliation that takes place between Joseph and his brothers. And the text of Scripture says that they remained in Egypt together. They lived together in harmony. And so um, we need to forgive and seek to restore relationships. Now, sometimes that's impossible. Not impossible to forgive. We're all called to forgive when somebody wrongs us. But sometimes... Due to safety concerns or due to the unwillingness of another party, uh, I think back to someone I knew who just was so angry and hateful towards a person, they wouldn't even speak to him. Well, it's hard to have a relationship with somebody that won't speak to you, right? So you can't reconcile that relationship, but you can forgive that person. So uh, forgiveness and reconciliation is the ideal. In some cases... It would be wise, and I even think just, not to reconcile. Uh, In the case of uh, abuse, where you would be in danger to be around a certain person, or perhaps your children would be in danger, um, I think it's a good thing not to reconcile, to protect your family. Uh, So we still would forgive. We'd cancel that debt of wrong. We wouldn't hold that debt of wrong against that person but neither would we put ourselves in harm's way. So you kind of see what I'm saying. But God's ideal, when we're able to do that, is to both forgive and reconcile. That's the ideal. And so uh, the title of my message is Forgiving to Restore Relationships. Uh, Forgiving to Restore Relationships. Look with me at verse 15 of Genesis 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead... They said to one another, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgression and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when their message came to him. His brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So forgiving to restore relationships, what goals do we need to have so that we can both forgive and restore the relationships in our lives? Well, first of all, uh, you should pursue grace instead of a grudge, okay? Grace instead of a grudge. If you are still holding a grudge against somebody, you've not forgiven them. 
If you are being the historian with somebody else and reminding them of all the wrongs they've done, you haven't forgiven them. True forgiveness cancels the debt. You don't bring it up. It becomes a part of history. Now, you may change how you relate to that person in order to protect yourself and to be wise. You know, if you've got somebody who stole something from you, you're probably not going to give them your bank account number and password, right? So, uh, you know, so that you may change how you deal with that person, but you cancel that debt, uh, and you're not going to bring it up. When there is true forgiveness, you have made a choice of your will that is going to be in the past. Now, if you're like me, there are times when uh, I have chosen to forgive somebody. And by the way, you can do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can help you to do that. There have been times I've made that choice, and then you begin to think about what that person did again, right? And those feelings begin to well up again. And, you know, you kind of grit your teeth, and you get angry all over again. Don't go there. Don't allow yourself to go there. When, those, when you begin to think about those things, those feelings begin to start to resurrect their ugly heads again in your life. Just say, I have chosen to forgive that. I'm not going there. And uh, Holy Spirit, give me grace and help me focus on something else. <laughs> okay? So uh, it's forgotten. What does God do when he forgives us? He buries our, sea in the sea, uh, our sin in the sea of forgetfulness. He separates it as far as the east is from the west. I remember going to a fellow one time, and I don't even remember what the issue was, but I said, hey, I am sorry about that, and uh, uh, sorry for, for doing that. He said, he said, it's forgotten. It's forgotten. You see, that's what true, true forgiveness is about. You, you move on. It's no longer a barrier between you and that other person um, as far as the issue itself. Um, the unforgiving heart says, I'm going to get even. You did to me, so I'm going to do to you. Uh, the forgiving heart says, it's in the past. I'm not bringing it up again. Uh, let's move forward uh, in our relationship. So uh, forgiveness, grace instead of a grudge. What is grace? Grace is giving someone what they don't deserve, right? That's what Christ does for us. He gives us what we don't deserve. Praise God. I don't deserve heaven. But God gave it to me through Christ. I don't deserve the favor of God, but God gave it to me through Christ. I don't deserve to, to speak to God in prayer, to sense his presence, uh, to know him in a, in a personal way. But praise God, he blessed me with all those things by his grace. Uh, his mercies are new every morning. Well, you don't understand. This person has done this thing over and over and over again. Can, can I tell you something? You and I do the same thing, right? Tell me that there's not something you've done in your life that you've had to ask God for forgiveness more than once. Okay? Praise God. Uh, all of us need God's mercy, not giving us what we do deserve. That's hell. Uh, but we also need his grace where he gives us what we don't deserve. So we choose grace rather than a grudge. So forgiving, that's the first step is the forgiveness part of it. Uh, they say in verse 15, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. Joseph could have, right? He could have made them slaves. He could have uh, 
uh, put them in prison like he'd been in prison and, and left them there to rot the rest of their lives. But, but he wasn't holding a grudge. He had truly forgiven. It was history as far as Joseph was concerned. They were dealing with the guilt, but Joseph had forgiven them. Um, by the way, sometimes we feel that way with God, don't we? We feel guilt in our hearts for what we've done, even though we've already confessed it, we've already repented of it. Listen, I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit won't bring it up, but the devil will. So just recognize where that comes from. And if you're sensing that guilt, just ask God, Lord, give me the, the faith to believe your promise that if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Give me the faith to believe that you have justified me and that you have reconciled me and that I can, I can uh, freely come into your presence. And so, um, <clears throat> so choose grace instead of a grudge. That's the first step in forgiving to restore relationships. That's the first goal. Secondly, let your goal be tenderness instead of bitterness. Tenderness instead of bitterness. So uh, they're, they're sending this message uh, to Joseph, hey, your, your, your dad said this, uh, please forgive, this is verse 17, please forgive your brother's transgression and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, your father. <laughs> if you have respect to God, hey, we serve the same God. Uh, Joseph wept when their message came to him. It grieved him because Joseph loved his brothers. He was not upset with them. Uh, matter of fact, his heart was stirred when he found out that they were still afraid of him. They were still uh, feeling this guilt and, uh, and that they didn't feel a freedom in the relationship to trust him. Um, this tenderness instead of bitterness. You can tell a person that's bitter oftentimes who's been bitter over the years that they begin to get a hard look on your face. Have you ever known somebody like that? They'll tell you about all the people in their life that they refuse to forgive, and you can just see it written all over their face. There's a hard look on their face because they've become callous. There's no tenderness there. Um, the person that forgives and then opens the door to reconciliation will be tender. Praise God that God is tender with us when we sin. Um, how many times have you come to God perhaps hanging your head, <laughs> here I am again, you know, um, and uh, just, just feeling unworthy, and, the, and, and you begin to talk to God about your sin, and you confess it to him, and, and you just sense the Spirit of God touch your heart and comfort you. I'm, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if that's ever happened to you, you understand what he's talking about here, okay? God is tender with us. God is compassionate with us. His feelings, his heart is stirred by us. He loves us. Um, when, when your heart is tender, how does this happen, by the way? How does a, a tenderness of heart happen? I think it's supernatural. When somebody has, has wronged you in this way, it, it takes a supernatural enabling of God's hand to help you have a heart of love for somebody else. Um, I've had to struggle with that. There have been times I've tried to sort out my feelings, and, and uh, well, I've, I've had anger, I've had frustration, 
And uh, Lord, am I, have, do I have righteous indignation? Can I tell you, most of the time when we're indi- indignant about something, it's not righteous indignation. Now, there are a few occasions where I think that's appropriate. But most of the time, it's not. Usually, our flesh, our old nature is a part of it. <clears throat> and uh, I, have to, I have to tell God about that. I have to work through that. I have to pray about the situation. I have to thank God for his faithfulness in the past. And, and somewhere, it's kind of like we were talking about this morning. When we, we cast those cares on God with thanksgiving, he brings that peace. And uh, the same thing is true when you're struggling in your relationship with somebody else. You've got to, the, the feelings that you've got in your heart, you can't deny them. Well, I'm a Christian. I don't have any bad feelings, you know. You, if you deny it, you're not going to ever deal with it and work through it. Uh, so you, you acknowledge it before God because God knows it anyway. And you tell him where you are and you tell him what you're struggling with. And you thank him for what he's done in the past. That's very important. And you ask him to change your attitude and change your heart and to give you a heart of love to fill you with his spirit and to supernaturally enable you. Now, what I have found is that developing a heart of love, at least for me, in my relationships with people who've done me wrong, uh, it usually starts with simple acts of kindness. Okay? Somebody's done you wrong. Your, your inclination, not even to talk to them, right? I'm not going to talk to you, okay? You may not say that, but inside you're saying, I don't even want to talk to that person. I don't even want to be around that person, right? Don't touch me. You know, if you ever had that happen. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, those, those first steps are, okay, I've got to be kind to this person and courteous to this person. And so what I've found I have to do is I will see that person coming, and I immediately start praying. Lord, would you give me supernatural grace to be kind to this person and show them your love? Holy Spirit, fill me. And then I'll say, hi, how you doing? Now, whatever they do, they may, they may turn their head and they may walk on the other side of the street. They, you know, their response doesn't matter. Your, respon- your, your response to them does matter. And so you're asking God to be genuinely kind through you. And I think when you begin to do that and you begin to pray for those people that have wronged you, and genuinely ask God to be at work in their life, if they don't know Christ, to help them find Christ, uh, to, to help them walk in the center of, your, of God's will. Uh, and you begin to pray for God's good purposes to be fulfilled for that other person. He will begin to give you a different heart toward that person. Um, and you can get uh, to the point where you have a tender heart, where you can even be sorry uh, and and moved emotionally at where that other person is. Um, whether you can show that tenderness may be another question. If you if you're in an ongoing situation where you're having to stand or you're having to do what's right in a situation that somebody else doesn't like what you're doing, uh, but but God can change your heart. So. So that's an important that's an important thing. The tenderness instead of bitterness is the goal. So God, give me a tender heart toward people. Help me to love people like you love me. I'm so grateful God didn't say that old lousy Roger Pugh. How many times am I going to have to tell him not to do that? Uh, when's he going to get it? He's got a thick skull. Hey, when's it going to get through his head what I'm trying to get out of him? God doesn't treat me that way. 
and I thank him for it. He's tender, tender hearted toward me. I, I love the fact that in Scripture you see the people of God cry out to God in their desperation, and oftentimes they fully deserve the desperate situation they're in, but God responds with mercy and grace and compassion. Um, and, uh, you know, what, what an amazing God we serve. Uh, I've told you about the judges. That some, in some cases, they hadn't even repented. And they cried out to God. God was moved in his compassion for his people simply because he has a tender heart toward us. Um, one of the most precious things that could happen between two Christians is when one Christian apologizes to another with tenderness in the heart, and the other Christian responds with tenderness in the heart. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're on the way to reconciliation when that happens. That's, that's one of our goals. So tenderness rather, uh, than, uh, uh, rather than bitterness is the goal. By the way, bitterness is unforgiveness over time. That's basically what bitterness is. It's clinging to those, those uh, things that have happened in the past, refusing to forgive, and living your life focusing on the wrongs that others have done to you. I can't think of a more miserable, joyless existence. Uh, it quenches the Spirit of God. It, it prevents you from, from walking in the abundant life and the joy of the Lord. Uh, but bitterness uh, can be exchanged for tenderness if we'll take our heart and we'll take our attitude and we'll take our anger to the Lord. So, uh, <clears throat> so forgiving to restore relationships, what goals should you have? First of all, grace instead of a grudge. Secondly, tenderness instead of bitterness. Thirdly, faith instead of revenge. Look at verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? What's Joseph saying there? Now, Joseph had every bit of authority to do them wrong in terms of human authority. But Joseph is saying, I recognize that it is not my place to bring vengeance on you. Uh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Uh, so God is the one who exercises justice. He's the one who's responsible for justice. We don't have to worry about getting even with somebody. We can trust God to do what is just and right. But also, um, we recognize that God is sovereign over the circumstances of our lives, right? Sometimes when somebody else does this wrong, we feel like we're at the mercy of this other person. Well, this other person is doing this to me, and I can't, you know, I can't deal with this problem. I've, this person is causing me this. I'm kind of, we may not say this, but we may feel this. I'm at the mercy of this other person, but you're not. You are in the hands of God. Now, God does not cause evil. Uh, we human beings do that on our own, right? We make choices and so forth. But God is at work even in the situations of evil that come our way. If you know Christ, there's nothing that can come to you without God's permission. Uh, and what does the scripture say? God works all things together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. That's not a platitude. That's the truth. 
The greatest example of that is Jesus Christ. The only truly innocent... Well, why would God allow the innocent to suffer? Sometimes I hear people say, there are no innocent people in in the world today, okay? We're all guilty. Uh, What is amazing is that God doesn't immediately send us to judgment. Uh, But uh, the only truly innocent man to ever live was the God-man, Jesus Christ. And yet... He suffered the most vile, wicked evil uh, at the hands of men. The leadership uh, of God's people rejected their Messiah. They spit on him. They, they beat him about the face. They put a crown of thorns upon his head. The Romans did. And, and uh, they crucified him. They beat him with a cat of nine tails whip. Uh, they did all these things which would have been a bad thing to do that to somebody who hadn't committed the crime that they were accused of, but it was especially bad to do it to the spotless, perfect Son of God. But they did it. Did God use it for good? Praise God, we are all sitting here because of what Jesus willingly did for us. Uh, Can God take something that is very evil and vile, and work it for good. Absolutely, he can. Um, And so we've got to trust him in the situations of life. Uh, We've got to uh, recognize that we may not understand all the reasons why God has allowed something, but we can know that God is sovereign over it. Joseph says, am I in the place of God? Look, I'm not trying to get even with you. I'm not trying to fulfill the role of God in your life. I'm trusting God. God, it, this is all in God's hands. I have forgiven you. And listen, when you realize that you are not at the mercy of other people, but that you can trust God with the circumstances of your life, that is a freeing thing. Uh, and you recognize that you're in his hands. Uh, no one can pluck us out of his hands. That's what Jesus said. Right? We are secure in his hands, and only what he allows can come to the child of God. And if he allows it, the the situation itself may be evil, but God can take that evil situation and work it in some way for good. And he will, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So, um, faith instead of revenge. Trust God with your circumstances rather than trying to get revenge. Uh, So the goal is grace instead of a grudge, tenderness instead of bitterness, faith instead of revenge, purpose instead of payback. Look at verse 20. You planned evil against me. God planned it for good, and here's the purpose, to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. God had a purpose in allowing what he allowed. Joseph said, I recognize the purpose of God. I'm not going to try to pay you back for what you did for me because I realize God had a purpose in it. And that purpose was greater than just me. And it was greater than just you. That purpose was that God might bring about a great deliverance. If one soul is saved because of a tragedy, God has worked that situation for good. I remember uh, years ago, when the Twin Towers fell in uh, September 11th of 2001, I believe, um, and uh, just the sick feeling I had in my, in my chest as I heard 
on the radio. Uh, we were driving Megan to a pediatric ophthalmologist appointment uh, in Plano, Texas, uh, when we got the news. And uh, I remember thinking, this is so awful. I, you know, I just uh, uh, was, was just stunned by it. And about maybe three or four months later, I was listening to a radio broadcast and they were interviewing a, a pastor in New York City, and he was talking about all the people that had come to Christ since the time of 9-11. They'd had loved ones who died in the Twin Towers or, uh, you know, these things had taken place, and they came to Christ as a result of it. That's an eternal uh, good that God worked through, through a, an awful tragedy um, and through awful, severe wickedness. God had a purpose that he was working out. I remember thinking how encouraged I was. I thought, wow, God, you have really used this. It just lifted me up. I thought, man, God, you are awesome. How you have used this tragedy and this wicked uh, purpose of Satan. I, I really believe Satan was behind that. Um, you've used it and you've worked it for good. So recognize God's purpose. God has a purpose. You may not know what that purpose is, but God always has a purpose in the trials we face. First uh, Peter 1 says he only allows those things to happen if it is necessary. Okay? So purpose instead of payback. So the goals, forgiving to restore relationships, the goals, what goals should we have? Grace instead of a grudge. Tenderness instead of bitterness. Faith instead of revenge purpose instead of payback, and comfort instead of callousness. Look at verse 21. Joseph is speaking here. He says, therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, let me contrast this with you for a second. Have you ever had somebody say, well, I forgive you, but it's going to be a while before I can speak kindly to you. Right? Well, you, yeah, I forgive you, but you're, you're, and you're, I know you're suffering, but you deserve it. Right? Have you ever had, heard somebody say something like that? Uh, that is not what we're talking about, okay? Uh, true forgiveness puts it in the past. We've talked about that. But also, the, there's this desire to reconcile. What does Joseph want to do? He wants his brothers to know he loves them. So he's comforting them. He is being tender with them. He's saying, don't be afraid. I'm going to keep caring for you just like I always have before Jacob died. Uh, and, and he's speaking kindly to them. He's being gracious to them. He's comforting them. What did Jesus say when he appeared to the, uh, the twelve? Remember, they were locked in. I kind of imagine, I don't think they had dead bolts back then. I don't know. Perhaps they did. But I kind of imagine them going click, 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 and put the chain on the door, you know, because they're scared to death. They're locked in this room, terrified of what the Jews might do to them next. And Jesus appears, and his first words are, fear not. If I was Jesus, my first words were, Peter, I told you so. Right? I told you, you said you wouldn't deny me, but I told you you'd deny me three times, and you did. Right? That's not what Jesus said. His first words were, fear 
sin. Uh, the tender heart of Jesus, the forgiving heart of Jesus towards those who had failed him is truly a model for us. And Joseph, this is one of the heights of Scripture, I believe, Joseph's heart toward his brothers. After all the evil they've done to him, he comforts them and speaks kindly to them. And rather than being callous, right? I mean, you could say, well, yeah, I forgive you, but, you know, I'm not too worried about you feeling bad. You deserve it, right? You might not say that, but you might think it, right? Hey, listen, you've done something really wicked. You deserve to feel bad. You deserve to have guilt. You deserve to be afraid. Now, listen, I've forgiven you, but I'm not too uh, broken up about your, your feelings right now, okay? That's not where Joseph is. Joseph is truly compassionate. He's, he truly cares. He's saying, listen, don't, don't be afraid. And he speaks kindly to them, and he comforts them. Um, it's kind of like when, you're, when your kids get in trouble, and you have to discipline them, and you comfort them after. You know, I hope you do that. If you, listen, I believe in spanking. I think God put, uh, uh, put a little extra padding on the rear end for a reason. Uh, those kids need need discipline so that they can learn to function and have self-control in life. But you comfort them, right? When you comfort them afterwards. And you let them know they're still your child. You still love them. That's not going to change, right? Uh, you're still for them. And and maybe even letting them know the reason, reasons for that discipline. Uh, this, the same kind of idea is here, that we have a, a tenderness and a compassionate heart toward one another. Um, First Peter talks about the fact that we're called to love each other, and he says, he says you're, you're loving each other, but love each other fervently. There are different levels, uh, even of Christian love, where, uh, that we can have toward one another, and we can grow in that and reach a new level in that love for other people. And that's where Joseph is. He, ha- he has this level of love. Not only has he forgiven them, but he has a tender heart toward them, and he is reaching out to them and comforting them. And you know it has to be melting the hearts of his brothers. I, I kind of, I'm using my imagination because the Bible doesn't tell us this, but uh, I imagine there were tears. Have you ever done something and you just felt like, man, I have just blown it. And, and then somebody is very gracious to you. Doesn't it touch your heart? Doesn't it move you emotionally? Praise God, he's tender with us. Um, this, is what, this is what we're called to do. And, and when you have this heart uh, of, of forgiveness toward others and, and seek to reconcile, and you've got this heart of love that truly reaches out and tries to build a bridge with somebody else and restore the relationship, this is the heart of what Christianity is supposed to be. How do people see Jesus in you and me? They see it through our love. Corey Ten Boom shares a story uh, about, uh, she, you know, she had a speaking ministry after she spent time in the concentration camp in Germany. And uh, she said after she the speaking engagement, this man walked up to her and he was the, German guard who had cruelly treated her sister. Her sister was in bad health anyway, but he made things worse in the way he treated her. And her sister died in the concentration camp. 
And this, this German guard that had persecuted them in prison walked up the aisle and he said, Jesus has forgiven me. Would you forgive me? And he stuck out his hand. She said, it was everything. She said, I was sitting there for a second. You know, it was everything I could. And she, she prayed for God, and she extended her hand and so forth. The magnitude of God's grace. Well, God couldn't save somebody like that. I hear people say things like that sometimes. Oh, yes, he can. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Uh, my neighbor in Texas asked, do you think God could save somebody like me? And he'd shared with me about a sin in his past. I said, yes, I, I said, I know he can. And I, and I began to talk to him about Abraham who lied about his wife and let, gave her to another man. I, you know, you've got uh, Moses who committed murder. You've got David who committed adultery and covered it up by committing murder. Uh, all throughout Scripture, you've got Paul who persecuted the church. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Where would we be without the grace of God? And so God extends that grace to us, and he calls us, yes, it's supernatural, yes, it's not in our natural flesh to do so, but he calls us not only to forgive, but if it's safe to do so, to take steps to restore that relationship by having our heart changed toward that person and reaching out to that person in love and comforting them and being tender toward them and pursuing the healing of that relationship. Now, this took years, right? Because it's probably been 10 years since his brothers first realized who he was. So sometimes it's a process to, to, to reconcile a relationship. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, one of the Psalms says, how wonderful it is for brothers to live in unity. Uh, it is such a great blessing of God, and it, it is a, truly a supernatural thing. God can restore families. He can restore broken friendships. I had a, a, a lady in a previous church uh, God restored her relationship with her sister. They hadn't spoken in 30 years. God, she had a tragedy in her life. God restored their relationship, and it was healed. She said, it was worth it all just to have my, my sister back. Um, so, forgiving to restore relationships. What are the goals? Grace instead of a grudge. Tenderness instead of bitterness. Faith instead of revenge. Purpose instead of payback and comfort instead of callousness. Oh, that God may give us Christ's heart toward one another so that we can restore those relationships that are broken. And uh, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I think we're probably all believers here in the Sunday night crowd, but you never know. Maybe God has touched your heart and let you know that you need Christ. And uh, praise God, he has made a way. Talk about reaching out to us. He sent his own precious son to live the perfect life we couldn't live, to die the death we deserve. Uh, says in Isaiah 53, it pleased him to crush him for us. Wow. That talk about grace. This is what Jesus did for us, and Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. 
and mighty power. And because of what he's done, God will forgive our sin. He'll wipe the slate clean. He'll reconcile us. Give us access to him in prayer. There's a reason the veil was ripped when Jesus said it is finished. Because the way was made open. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the forgiveness and the reconciliation that we find in Jesus Christ. Lord, sometimes we're all broken people, God. We all are sinners, and, and Lord, you've given us a new nature if we know Christ. But God, you, we still struggle with that old nature. And, and Father, we're imperfect, and we hurt each other, and we uh, sometimes make mistakes, and sometimes sin. And, and Lord, uh, give us your heart toward each other. So that when those breaches of relationship occur, uh, that we can forgive and then take those steps as it is safe for us to do so, uh, to reconcile with that person and uh, have restored relationship. Give us that grace to do that. And Father, uh, if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night they would say, Lord Jesus, I choose today to turn from my sin in my own way to follow Christ. And uh, to follow you, and, to, and I receive that gift of eternal life and simple trust. I trust your promise. Thank you for saving me. Lord, if somebody needs to do that today, I pray that they would do it right now.